Hey, well, welcome to church today on our 36th anniversary as a church. I'm not even 36 years old yet. I just turned 34 last week, so I'm, I was just a twinkle in the eye. A good twinkle in the eye. But today's a, a very special day and honored to be able to share the word today. But before we dive into that, you know, today we, we honor the past and we further the future. And in honor of the past, as my first official Sunday as lead pastor of this amazing, beautiful, wonderful church, I wanted to do something. Um, I was going to do it last week, but I decided I wanted to do it today. And that is I wanted to honor um, our amazing founding pastors with this, a special gift. And I want Pastor Danny, if he'll stand today. Pastor Danny, would you stand? We've got something very special that I put together. Our team's worked on it, and I want to show you something. There's something that you said many, many, many years ago, and I want it to always be known who is our founding pastors. I never want to forget that, and I don't want our people to forget that. So I've had something built for you. I want our team to bring it out. We have this amazing plaque that we are going to be placing in the entrance of our legacy hall that says, you can see it on the screen, they're going to pop it up. It says, in honor of our founding pastors, has your names on it, and it's a quote that you, you have said for many, many years that says, as long as there is someone within driving distance of this church, we have a job to do. For 36 years, you've done that. So can we honor our pastors, our founding pastors today? You didn't do it by yourself, that's right. Both you and Pastor Janet have, have touched so many lives. You've impacted our city for 36 years. We were just talking a moment ago as we were standing down here when we had mentioned, hey, today's our 36 years. And he said, mom was pregnant with you and we were nailing the rafters on the chapel. We were building our first building in 1989. And you said something about a, a church we were renting at the time. You came out and it's like Second Baptist something church. It's in College Station. And you walked out on that stage that day, two years, one year in. The stories... We could sit here for hours, days, weeks, and talk about the stories, the things that God's done. God's been so good to us. And it's because of your sacrifice and mom's sacrifice. Through the pain, through the agony of giving birth to a church, where now thousands of people have accepted Jesus and are going to enter through those pearly gates one day because of your sacrifice and mom's sacrifice. And we honor you today. We can never do that enough. The Bible says give honor where honor is due and give double honor to those who bring the gospel. And so we do that today. 
also want to honor our future today. And by doing so, I want to I want to share with you today what I feel like God has shown me for this next year of ministry as we step into our 37th year. God has done so much. We are grateful for our past. We're grateful from where we came from. We're grateful for every hard time and every joyful time. On, on January 1st this year, PD, had, we were standing in our, you know, brand new service of that year and our first service of that brand new year. And, and he leaned over to me right before he walked up on stage and he asked a question and I was already kind of pondering this question, but he asked it and he said, what's our word for the year? And I just looked at him and I had no response. And he walks up on stage and I didn't know what if he was going to call me out and ask that year, what's our word for the year? I was terrified in that moment. I was like, oh, God, I'm about to look like an idiot. But I had been pondering that question time and time again, but I had felt like I didn't quite have what I feel like God was trying to say. You ever had those moments where you just felt like unsure? But you've prayed and you're asking God to speak, but you don't quite hear what he's trying to say. And so we had began our, our fast at the beginning of the year and I was praying and asking God, God, what do you want to do this year? And we were getting ready to go in February. We have our, what we call a, a, our, our staff advance. And I wasn't sure quite yet what I was going to talk about. And on that, that morning before, it was a, a, a couple mornings before. It was a Friday early morning, just like 48 hours before we were going to depart. We, we had church on Sunday and we left. And I was asking God, God, what do you want me to share? What do you want me to share? I'm like 48 hours, guys. Like I'm about to have to bring like a three-day whole setup for our staff and our teams. And like this is what God wants us to do. And this is what we're going to walk into. And this is what God has for us. And, and I'm like blank. That's the scariest feeling. And I woke up early one Friday morning. And I felt like I could have, I mean, it was super early and I felt like God said, come meet with me. I was like, God, couldn't you do this at like 10 a.m.? <laughs> Why you got to do it at four? So I kind of laid there for a minute. It's like, it's, it's just, you know, it's just the sleepiness talking. And once again, I felt like this nudge, come meet with me. I'm like, Okay, 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 okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up. I get up and start spending some time in God's word and praying, asking God, what do you want me to do? And during my prayer, doing the fast, I, I just felt like I wasn't hearing anything. Felt just like wasn't being drawn to anything. Nothing was nudging me. And I thought, okay, well, maybe, maybe God is trying to tell me, like, just continue to do what I've already told you last year. And, but as I sat there just 48 hours before our staff event, God finally revealed to me what our word for the year is. And I feel that this year God has given me a word for our church, and it comes from, from two viewpoints. It comes with one that ends in an exclamation mark and one that ends in a question mark. The word that God revealed to me, he showed me in Joshua chapter 6 and Philippians chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 6. 
this chapter and this passage, to understand a little bit of context, you've got the people of God who are heading in to try to take the land that God had promised them. And Joshua was talking to God and God gave him some specific instructions on how they were to proceed with taking the land that, that God had promised them. So we get to chapter six and we get to verse six and this is kind of what goes on. And it's in here where I feel like God has the word. This, so Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army. This is it. Advance. Advance. March around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When I read this passage, that word advance jumped out at me so clear. I was actually wrestling. We we used to call it a staff retreat, and I hate that word. We ain't retreating from nothing. Like, we don't retreat in the army of God. Like, we don't retreat. We, We see victory. We advance. So I told our team, I was like, Screw calling it a a, a retreat. We're calling it advance because we're not backing up on anything. We're pressing forward in what God wants for us. And I I wasn't realizing what I was saying. This was like weeks before what I felt like. It was like God was trying to tell me and I just wasn't listening. So this response, when when Joshua says advance, this one is it's responsive. It's It's a command in the order of attack. What you do to take ground that. God had already set before us. He says, advance. He yells, charge. You see, this is our response to what God has said. And if we remain steadfast and we follow the commands of what God has told us to do, guess what? If you continue to read that passage, the walls fall of the enemy and they take over that city. Advance. This response is what you do. Then in Philippians chapter one, as I was reading some more, Philippians chapter one, verse 12, God showed it again. He said this, Paul said this. He said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to to what? Advance the gospel. What has happened? It already happened. And it happened to me, he said. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, catch this. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. This passage is reflective. It's also informative of what was and what is and to understand that what has happened up until this point, what is happening in this present day was is for the gospel to advance. So as I studied that word advance, if you look at it in the original Greek translation, that word that is said is this word called prokope. Turn to your neighbor and say it, just say it real clear, say Prokape, make you sound like you're speaking another language. Now, this Greek word, the definition, if you were to to pull it up, 
says, progress amidst difficulty. Another one said, headway despite blows. So in other words, we will see progress, but it won't come without difficulty. It will come in the midst of difficulty. Both what is supposed to be done, what we will do, and what happens to us. Headway. We are going to make headway despite the blows the enemy is going to try to to throw at us. So I wanted to title this sermon today on this 36th anniversary as we dive into a 37th year. Headway despite blows. Headway despite blows. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. We thank you for your word that we have read so far. And God, we ask so that you would, you would marinate on our hearts today what you have for us. That Lord, as we dive into what we feel that you have set before us to accomplish, to advance, to move forward, to charge, to press on. God, that you would stir something on the inside of us. God, we don't just come to church just to make us feel good. We come to have an encounter with you. We come to hear a word from you so that way we can take that sword of your spirit and we can walk into our work week and we can accomplish the things that you've set before us. Let us not leave here just saying we ticked a box. Let us leave here saying, God touched me and I'll never be the same. So speak to us today, Father. Let me speak today, God, with the clarity that you showed me. What you have for us for our church. What you would have us do as we press forward as the body of Christ. You set us here for such a time as this. You could have placed us on this planet in any era, in any time. You could have put us with any other group of people. But God, you put us with the people that are sitting the front, the back, the left, the right of us, Lord, to accomplish the mission, to accomplish the the vision that you've set forth for our church. You called us. So let us do it with confidence. Let us do it with boldness. Let us do it taking risks. So we can see your gospel spread so we can accomplish the statement that our founding pastor has said that if anyone is in driving distance in our church that doesn't know Jesus we have a job to do we would reach those people far and wide in Jesus name we pray everyone said amen amen give someone a hug and then be seated some of y'all are like, we, you always tell us to hug. Yes, I do. Have you ever met someone that no matter what life seems to throw at them, no matter what obstacles come their way, no matter what attacks may be thrown at them or what storms they may encounter, it's like they never stop going forward. Like, have you ever met somebody like that? It's like, Like, how is all this stuff happening to you? And you just like keep smiling. You just keep moving forward. You just like you're taking blows from all sides. But like there just seems to be nothing that fades. You ever met anybody like that? Yeah, I don't like those people either. (laughs) It's funny to watch people advance in the midst of 
of blows. And, and what I've come to learn in my life is that there are two sides of the coin when it comes to taking ground. And we often don't realize that. And I want to share a little bit today what I feel like God has shown us for this year. And I'm, I want to show you that what God has shown us and shown me comes from, from two points, from, from two positions, from two perspectives, both by what we do and also by what happens to us. Progress amidst difficulty, headway despite blows. But we must understand that advancement cannot happen without preparation. It cannot happen. I, I can stand here and I can share vision and I can shout charge, but if we don't get prepared for the battle ahead, if there is no effort and everyone doing their part, then we won't accomplish what God has set before us. It won't happen. So the question then beckons, are we ready to advance? Are we getting ready to advance? Are, what are we doing to get ready to advance? Because it's hard to advance in a battle that you have not prepared for. And I've learned in my life that advancement can happen in a lot of, lot of ways. The question, though, is, are you advancing in the right direction? That, that's what determines your end point. You see, this can even happen in, in our own life. And can I tell you today that, that not every job offer with more money is a God move. That not every open door is a gift from God. Not every blessing it's part of God's plan for your life. Because guess what? The enemy knows how to get you off kilter. He knows how to get you like just enough out of God's will that you become stagnant and you become complacent and you get just a little bit out of alignment and a little bit out of balance. He knows how to do it just enough and he'll do it while he's letting you make even more money. And you can be out of God's will and you, and, and you got no peace. And you're going to be out of God's will and you've got no sense of purpose. But I took that job. I felt like it was God, but I have no fulfillment. I feel no purpose. I've got no peace. Let me tell you, that probably wasn't God. And where you once found fulfillment, you now feel empty. Not every open door. It's a God move. Just because it looks, even feels like advancement doesn't mean you're advancing that I can actually still make forward movement, but I can be off course. And I may not think it's a big deal right now. Like, oh, it's just, it's not, you know, I, this is what I feel like I'm supposed to do, so I'm just going to pray that God blesses it. That don't sound like God's will to me. That sounds like your will. And if Jesus would have done that, we wouldn't be sitting here today. I mean, I think it's a big deal, like, you know, but, but what, what if, 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 if I'm driving a car and it's just a little bit out of alignment, just a little bit out of balance, what, what's going to happen? Over time, it is going to cause major destruction. 
If I do it just long enough, you're going to find yourself in a whole lot of damage and issues that you didn't expect. And then you're going to call on God, say, God, where are you at? He's like, I was on the path that I told you to go on. But you thought it was okay just to get a bit, a little bit of detour. That you'll be on your way thinking you're going to the beaches of Florida, going to see out the keys, going to enjoy the wonderful waters and the beautiful sand, and you're going to wind yourself up when you just get a little bit off course. Oh, it's okay. We just took the little run. Oh, it's okay. You're going to find yourself in the swamps of Louisiana, and you're on your way to see Nemo, and now you found yourself in Lyle Lyle Crocodile. <laughs> it just takes a little bit. We can charge, but we can be off course and we can have a false sense of advancement. Well, we're moving forward. Yeah, but we're not moving forward in the right way. We're not moving forward in the way that God said we are to move forward. And the reality is we can be running in a direction and going the completely wrong way. And I wanted us to start off this year with the mindset of advancement. And I want us to begin to ponder these questions. Because these are the questions that, that I've, I've pondered for, for quite some time. And, and that is, what do I need to do for my church to advance? What do I need to do? Not what the church needs to do and, and all the other things and all the other organizations and all the other groups and, and ministries. Because got, we've got some churches that got like a thousand different ministries. They got the bread making ministry, the feet rubbing ministry, the, the sewing and knitting ministry. God bless you for doing that. The wipe the snotty nose, brat nose ministry. No, no, but we need to ask God, what do I need to do, me, for my church to advance? Because I'm part of that body of Christ. What, what do I need to do for my marriage to advance? What, what do I need to do for my kids to advance, for my, my calling and the leadership that God's placed in my life to advance? What do I need to do in order for my walk with Jesus to advance? And here's the question that I've asked myself for, for many, many years is this. How can I advance in what my pastor sees in me? That's a different question. That's a different standpoint. That's a different posture and position. I had the opportunity many years ago to, to sit at a, a coffee shop with a prominent second chair leader in ministry. I can tell you right now where we were sitting. I can take you to the table if it's still in the same spot. I can, I can, I can take you to the exact location. I could probably stand within inches of where I was sitting in that chair. When I was talking to this this, this, this amazing leader, I call him second chair leader because the, the truth is only about 1% of the entire world is leading from the first chair. Most of us are leading from the second chair. We lead someone else's, from someone else's vision. And, and he, he's leading in this church as a second chair leader. And he said something to me that totally revolutionized my way of thinking. And he also made me realize something at the same time. And this is what he said. He said, when I stopped coming to my pastor with my resume on what I could do, and I decided to give him a blank sheet of paper and said, tell me what God is telling you that I need to do. He said, my whole journey changed. My whole life and what my calling was and my purpose was, he said, changed. And I began to think about that statement. 
when he said that. And I began to realize that God began to show me that was the seeds that he was placing in my life when I was living my life with my pastor. I tell you, and I said this last Sunday, I never saw myself doing what I'm doing today. I actually, for so many years, up until maybe just these past five years, I never even dreamed of this. Like this was not in my, my eyesight. It was not something that I even desired. I, I, didn't, I didn't live my life trying to shoot for something like that. I just didn't. I, I lived my life with what God had put in my hand at that moment. But what I did have in my life and what I had learned in my life and, and following an amazing leader was I was to hold my calling tight, but my position loose. So God, I know what you've called me to do. I know what you've placed on the inside of me, but a position doesn't determine my calling. That I will hold the calling tight, but God, wherever you need me, whatever it is, wherever you place me, and I've cleaned the toilets, I've painted the walls, I've changed the light bulbs, I've vacuumed the chairs, I've picked up the Sam's run for all those dang coffee people. I've done it. I served there. I served in youth. I've served in kids. I've served it all. I said, God, wherever you need me, I'm going to keep my calling tight. I'm going to hold dear to that, but I'm going to keep my position loose. And what that did for me was it allowed me to get out of my own way of what I thought I, what I was called to do. It allowed God to use my pastor to pull out of me what God had placed in me. And that changed my life. And I believe that we often can miss the fact that God says in his word that he places spiritual authority over your lives for a reason. There is a covering that God talks about in his word. And those a lot of times are your pastors. Now, I'm here to say that no man or no woman is perfect by any means, but the God in them is. The God in them is. And when God wants to speak, he can use anyone to do it. And I've learned, though, through my life that that honoring and submitting to the spiritual authority that God has placed in my life has always been better than thinking that I'm my own covering. And that's a whole nother sermon. To understand that when I step under the covering that God has placed above me and ahead of me and on top of me. The Bible says that the, the oil fell down from Aaron's top of his head, down his beard, down his priestly robes. Which means that everything that was under the head was under the anointing, was under the oil that God would share with favor and blessing and the spirit of God when you got under the covering. But the moment I step out, I am no longer underneath the spiritual covering that God placed me and I am now susceptible to whatever the enemy might try to throw at me. You see, my idea of advancement was completely different than what God's idea was. What I saw as moving forward was, was different than what God saw. And I can sit here today on this amazing Sunday and I could say that, that and tell you that advancement looks like X number of salvations this year and X number of people getting in small groups and getting baptized and X number of people in this and that. And I can sit here and say that we're going to build new buildings and we're going to launch new campuses and we're going to give away $200,000 to mission organizations and initiatives for us to reach more people. And that we're going to build a counseling and marriage center to help people that are struggling in their mental health and struggling in their marriage. And we're to do it for a minimal cost to help them. And we're going to build a biblically-based school so kids that don't know the word of God, they can come in and they can, what the world is trying to throw out, we can put in them and we can show, I can sit here today and share all of this with you, but if we're not prepared for it, it won't matter. 
Because the reality is there's only one thing that matters. And that is advancement starts with the mindset. Starts with the mindset. And to have the mindset, there's one thing that is crucial beyond all others. And that is, if we are going to advance in what God has for us, we must first surrender. We have to surrender. Because the Bible says that I find my life when I lose it for Christ. That I find myself when I lose myself for Christ. That when I become a follower of Jesus, that my Bible says that my life is no longer my own, but yet it is Christ within me. Some of you are like, I never read that before. Yeah, buddy, when you said, yes, Lord, for I, like be my savior, you enlisted in the army of God. You ever heard the old church song? I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. We sing that as kids in church. Why? Because that's what we did. When we said, yes, God, I, I, I love you. Forgive me. Come into my life. Lead me. He said, all right, you've now been enlisted. You've been enlisted. Look at your neighbor and say, you've been enlisted. The draft has taken place and you've been selected. But you see, I, I, in order for us to advance, I have to surrender. What does that mean? That means I got to surrender my time. I got to surrender my possessions. Look throughout scripture. I'm not just saying stuff like look at anybody that God used. Look at Noah. Look at Moses. Look at Abraham. Just start going down the list. They had to surrender their time. They had to surrender their possessions. They had to surrender their plans. They had to surrender their wants, their desires. They had to surrender completely. I find my life when I lose it for Christ. You want to know the church that I see. The church that I see, and this is something I'm going to put up on the screen so we can all see it together as I read it. This is the church that I see, and this is just a glimpse. I have a lot more, but we couldn't fit it all on the screen. But it's I see a church whose message is Jesus and it keeps him at the center. I see a church whose heart is for people and is our family of choice. I see a church who is kingdom focused to build his church at all costs. I see a church so on fire for God that we can't keep people away. I see a church so committed to Christ that they are willing to do whatever it takes to advance the gospel. I see a church so led by the Holy Spirit that our city cannot contain and cannot ignore what is happening. I see a church that walks by crazy faith and are stepping into their God-given purpose. I see a church worshiping from a deep place of surrender whose worship has touches, touches the heart of God. I see a church so invested in the next generation that we have kids and teenagers rising up in the ways of God, leading in their schools and homes. I see a church so committed 
to seeing other believers take their next steps, that we have advancement happening across all reports. I see a church so passionate for reaching lost souls that they'll do anything short of sin to reach those who do not know Christ. I see a church that is so irrationally generous toward the kingdom that whenever God speaks, we can move without hesitation or restriction. I see a church that spreads across many spaces and places, touching the ends of the earth. I see a church so diverse ethnically, generationally, and economically that from the famous to the nameless, all feel welcome and love. I see a church that is so hungry for an encounter with Jesus that they never want to miss a moment in God's presence. That's just the first paragraph. It's just a glimpse of the church that I see. The concern, though, that I have is that so many have a distorted view of what that even looks like. And I want to show you what I mean in Hebrews chapter 8. Turn with me there. Hebrews chapter 8. You don't have to stand. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. Is this okay today? I need a few more minutes because I want to get this out. The Lord sin and rain anyway. You holding up? <clears throat> he spoke. <laughs> Hebrews chapter eight, verse one through six. I don't want us to miss this. It says now the main point of what we are saying is this: the writer of Hebrews. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the Majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by mere a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it was necessary for this one, meaning Jesus, also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it, God said. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenants of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established on better promises. How many of you ever seen one of these? I know what this is. If you do not know what this is, I want you to raise your hand for a minute. We want to pray for you. <laughs> this is called a cassette tape. The thing in the early 2000s and maybe late 90s that had this little square where the radio goes. You slide this in. And that's your Spotify. <laughs> but you don't get to switch songs. <laughs> You got to fast forward. <laughs> you might know what I'm talking And when you want to play it back, you got to sit here and rewind and rewind. And re I know what this is. How many of you know what this is? It's the next generation of this. You could, you could put multiple songs. You had an hour and a half of playtime. Used to make these for your girlfriends. Y'all know you. And then when you got real cool, you used to put these on your wall to make a cool effect on your wall in your bedroom. You know what I'm talking about. You're hanging them from the ceiling with your fishing string. All the 90s girls are like, yes. 
It's your tie-dye and braces and all that mess. This actually is, says, says D. Green, March 30th of 03, Sunday, 10.30 a.m., living a life on, or living a life of purpose. This is one of Pastor Danny's very own sermons. We keep some of these artifacts for our museum. <laughs> artifacts. Okay, I got to hurry, y'all. I'm already out of time, and I still got some things to say. But if you know this, and you, you've ever used one of these before, something I want you to understand is that, that when you want to make a copy of a cassette tape, that when you have the master and you make a copy and then you take it to your friend's house and you'll listen to the cool mix that you just put together and you're like, oh, can I get a copy of that? And so that copy makes another copy. And then you go to your other friend's house and they're like, oh, can I get one of those? And then that copy makes a copy. If you understand how any of this works, is every time you make a copy of the copy, it loses its quality. Like, like where you once heard it very clear, you automatically hear in the background. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, I can't hear it clearly. Yeah, because you have a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. Are you, are you hearing, though, what I'm saying? They, they, they were imitating the tabernacle that was a copy of a copy of a copy of what God said. And so the writer of Hebrews is understanding that as generations have passed from Moses, the quality of faith has dropped within the religious system of their day. And he does something that's kind of crazy in order to bring these new believers into an understanding of the process of emulating and imitating Christ. He points to somebody that they've never met Moses to, to explain about somebody they never personally met who is Jesus. So they, they, as they explain all of that, they get to a point where, where they are, he, he's talking about this, this tabernacle, which is the presence of God, is, is where they used to set up and, and would walk into the presence of God. I don't even have time to break down the, what the tabernacle means, but you have to remember that these people had never seen the tabernacle that was carted around in the wilderness. It had been many years since they were setting that up and tearing it down and moving from place to place as God wanted to move. And, and it has been replaced now, not only by Solomon's temple, which that's already been torn down and been rebuilt again, but, but there has been another temple that's built and they are now generations removed from the original presence of God. And he realizes that with every generational transference, there has been a loss in quality. And he's saying things to the people in, in Hebrews like, like, you need to persevere more. Like, like you're giving up too quickly. He's kind of, he's kind of fussing at them because, because he, he brings examples and he's talking in Hebrews and he's talking through chapter 11 about different people and their faith and, and what happened to them because of their faith. People being cut in half for believing in Jesus and following. And he's like, you, you, you gotta, you gotta persevere more. He's trying to say, like, you think it's bad because somebody didn't like your Facebook comment? Like, it's been a lot worse. You poured your heart out. This is what God said. And you had like seven likes. You all upset about it. But can I tell you, you must be careful what you copy. Now, don't mistake me for saying that you have to be original. Because that's just dumb. We learn by copying. How do you think our kids learn? 
People tell you that it's not what you say, it's what you do. They watch you. We all learn by copying. This is how we learn how to do things, how to live life. We learn by watching other people and what they're imitating and emulating. There's a story of a pastor one time. They're sitting in a room with a bunch of other pastors, and, and it was like this, this, this conference, and they were sitting around, and this one pastor raises his hand. He goes, he goes, he goes I want to be original. I want to be nothing. And guess what? He was both. He was original, and he was nothing, meaning he didn't do anything because he tries so hard to be the only one. There's nothing new under the sun. And what I believe happens to a lot of us is that we're not even conscious of what we're trying to copy in our behaviors. We're not even, we don't even realize that, that, that even in our faith, even our concept of God sometimes comes from other generations that have put their own concept of God on a typical or, or a biblical concept of who he really is. And so this writer is pointing to, to, to something that they've never personally seen an experience that they've never had, this tabernacle that God commanded Moses to build with specific dimensions. You, you got to read about what, how God said, this is exactly how I want you to build it. When God called Moses to build the tabernacle, he did it while Moses was on the mountain. And he spoke to Moses face to face, and then Moses had to come down and talk to the people. And sometimes what would happen is when Moses would come down to talk to the people, the people would get a little crazy, and they'd start to twist what Moses would say, and they'd make it something else. And so that has now happened, and it's been happening for many, 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 many years by the time you get to chapter 8 in Hebrews. And so we see how he talks about this covenant that was given, the old covenant, the covenant of Moses that God promised to be with us and be with his people if they kept his commands. But he's now saying how that Jesus has brought a better covenant. Are you tracking? No, you're not. He, he didn't tell us to build a tabernacle. He became the tabernacle. That, that, that Jesus is the dwelling place of God. We no longer have to go through a high priest in order to enter into the tabernacle in the presence of God and be completely clean and pure. No, we can come to God just like we are, Jesus, and, and talk to him, and, and his righteousness covers us. His blood covers us. Now we can come to God in that way. So rather than a high priest bringing this offering of an animal and a sacrifice, we now come through Jesus, because Jesus shed his own blood, he offered himself as the gift. He is the great high priest. He is the better high priest. He is the better covenant. And he understands something about the people. And that is that they are attempting to copy a lesser covenant. They've attempted to become a copy, a copy of a copy to where it depends on their behavior, not grace. And let's be honest, they came by it honestly, because the truth is we are all influenced by culture. Somebody say, no, I'm not. Okay, just walk outside for a minute. If you don't believe me, I'll say that, 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 that the same way we sometimes can't even get from church to Monday morning. You know, have you ever had that church experience? You come in and like, you feel like you're on the mountaintop. You're like, God, I'm going to serve you. God, I'm going to pray with my kids and my wife every day. God, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. And then that message doesn't even get through Monday morning traffic. <laughs> like, God, I'm going to serve you. Monday morning traffic, you're like, you better get out of <laughs> And you done forgot everything that God told you. You don't even get to the office. It's like from the mountaintop to the Monday. But how do I get from the mountaintop of inspiration to Monday morning? 
And so he's understanding that they're going to need something to help them get there. And he understands that what you have to be careful of is what you copy. When Moses went up to, to get the instructions from God, the Ten Commandments, God gave them to him. And then when he comes down on the mountain, the, the people of God weren't even waiting on the Lord. They were worshiping a cow that they made out of jewelry. He was only up there 40 days. And they wander in the wilderness for now 40 years because they came out of Egypt, but they couldn't get Egypt out of them. They couldn't get their junk out. And I'm concerned that sometimes we are so controlled by culture, but our culture needs to be controlled by God's scripture. And then this is what this is what God was saying. He said, see to it. You notice that how God said that clearly. Pay attention, Moses. He's trying to tell them. It's a warning. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Because when you get down off the mountain, the children of Israel are going to be dancing naked around some jewelry. A golden calf. Forty days. So what I want to say today is you have to show here from God and know what he showed you on the mountain to know what he spoke to you on the mountain to know what he's doing in your life. Not somebody else's, not cultures, not the world. You got to know what God's word says about you. You got to know what God's word says about how you ought to live your life. This is the instruction manual. So we have to be careful what you copy because the culture around you will keep you from discovering the kingdom that's within you. Because that's what the enemy wants to do. Just just a little bit, remember, a little bit out of alignment. Because you're a little bit out of balance, a little bump every now and then, you know, when you got that flat spot on your tire. Like, oh, it's okay. But you start moving faster. It's like, dun, 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 dun. and you thought you were just twerking for Jesus. But no, you just out of alignment. But you see, we copy the culture around us. And what we don't realize is we're copying crazy. We're copying insanity. We're copying in ignorance. And we think that it's good. Because we don't know any better. We've tasted the poison as if it's trying to trying to fix us and it's just killing us. The question I've been asking myself is, is the body of Christ copying the culture of the wrong faith? Are they copying the culture of the wrong way of worship? Are they copying the wrong way of following Jesus? Because let me tell you, and this may be a shock to some of you, not everything you read and see online is truth. Didn't know that. Just because someone claims that what they're saying is truth, don't mean it is. You mean to tell me I've been listening to this guy and it ain't true? Did you look it up yourself? And if you're not careful, we won't realize to see the twisting of, of scripture and we won't, we won't see the twisting of culture starting to happen and in, in, in the name of reaching people. Or through the lens of something that, that people like to call hyper grace, that no matter what I do, God loves me. No, no matter what I do, yes, God loves me and he forgives me, but he also instructs, he also corrects, he also changes, he also restores our broken lives to be molded to the scripture. Because can I tell you, if it ain't kingdom, it ain't for me. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, if it ain't kingdom, it ain't for me. Because it's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. 
As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. I don't want to be a copy of a copy of a copy where we've lost the quality and we've lost it in generational transference. No, I want to be, see to it that you do it everything according to the way that God's shown you on the mountain. Don't change nothing. Don't alter nothing. Don't give in to nothing because one little give in will destroy your life. That one little tweak will change everything for you. Oh, it's just a little bit. No, it's a lot. Because in 10 years from now, you're going to wake up inside your bed looking next to someone next to you and go, what happened? You're going to walk into that career and go, what happened? I felt so much purpose 10 years ago, and I thought this was a God move, and now look where I'm at. I thought I was supposed to go to that college because I got in. Yeah, because the devil was getting you away from your covering. Oh, that'll preach to some student right now that's about to graduate high school. Where has God called you? That's the question. Not what do I want to do? Oh, what do I want to do with my life? And, oh, I want to do this. I'm going to play this sport. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do this. Career. No, 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 no. Before you say that or anything close to that, you need to go to your prayer closet. You need to get on your knees before God and say, God, not my will, but yours be done. I don't want what I want. I want what you want. And that's what we have to do for our church. We, we come to church in convenience. We don't come in a place of privilege and sacrifice. Can I preach that for a second? If we're considered the body of Christ, that means we are a part of the body. And that means everyone has a part. And I can't be more clear than what Scripture's saying. You can get mad at me all you want to. You can take it up with him. I'm just repeating what he said. See to it. That you do everything shown to me, shown to you on the mountain. This is the way you worship. This is the way you serve God. This is the way you show him who he is in your life to other people. This is the way you ought to walk without fear. This is the way you ought to walk with faith and not by sight. The things that you hope for, but things that are yet not yet seen. This is the way you speak the things that are not as though they were. This is the way you love. This is the way you serve. This is the way that you show people who I am, not what you think. And if we're going to see God move, and we're going to see God do the things that he's called us to do as a church, then we're going to see headway despite blows. We, here's the thing. It's a promise. It says it in the definition, headway despite the blows. Like, we're going to move forward, and I'm going to take some hits, and you're going to take some hits, and I'm like, yeah, what? I'll keep going. I'm not stopping. Devil, you can't stop me. No weapon from the gifts me shall prosper. Nothing that you throw in my way. Oh, I'm going to jump over that. Oh, that's all right. Oh, let me do a little spin move. Oh. Headway despite blows. Progress amidst difficulty. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a copy of 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 a copy. I don't want our church to be a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. I want to be what God said. I don't want to do what the church is doing down the road. I don't want to do what the church is doing in another city. God called them to do that. And too many times in our life, and even in church life and ministry, we can get so wrapped up in this comparison, like, well, we should do that, but that is not what God said. If God said it, then you do it. And I'm going to tell all of our volunteers and people that are serving, and even our staff, I don't care what they do. What did God tell us to do? 
Because if he said it, he will provide for it. He will show himself up for it. He will, you will see the goodness and the faithfulness. I want what he wants. Not what I want. Not what somebody else wants. And you can get mad and people are going to say stuff. You know what I'm going to do? God, I follow you. God, I'm going to serve you. I got the people in my corner that keep me checked and keep me accountable and that keep me pointed in the right direction. Thank you to Pastor Danny and our overseers and all of our people. I'm going to do all that, but I'm going to keep moving forward and we're going to see headway despite blows and our church is going to reach this city and this nation and we're going to do everything we can short of sin and we're going to see people come to know Jesus. We're going to see marriages restored. We're going to see people break free from addiction. We're going to see people that were bound break those chains off their life. We're going to see people that are walking in depression and they're going to turn around walking in joy and hope again. We're going to see people who are filling with anxiety we're gonna walk in and say i feel a peace that i never knew existed come on let's give jesus a shout of praise today this is the god that we serve you're not standing why don't you stay with me all across this place today In order for us to experience the word that God has given us to advance, we can't forget to surrender and we can't forget Rokape. We're going to see the goodness and the faithfulness of God. There's some of you that are here in this room today or you're watching from the other side of a screen and you're like, this is this is new to me. You're talking about a God who you're going to do all these things for a God that, 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 that sent his son and, and he died on a cross like that's crazy. And, but he did it. You said he did it for me. And you did it so that I could have life. Yeah, John 10, 10 tells us that the thief, we have an enemy. We have spiritual warfare. The Bible says we don't fight flesh and blood. We fight in the principalities and the spirit realm. We don't fight each other. The enemy wants us to make it think we're fighting each other. We don't fight each other, but the enemy wants to come steal, kill and destroy. He wants to rob life from you. He wants to rob joy from you. He wants to rob purpose. He wants to get you just a little bit out of alignment. But if you finish that scripture, this is the foundational scripture of our church. It says, Jesus said, he says, I have come that you may live life and life to the full, the abundant life, the extraordinary life. That's why we say around here, capture extraordinary. That the life that God has for you is anything but ordinary. You are meant to be a peculiar people. You are meant to be set apart. You are meant to be unique to capture the extraordinary life that God has for you. So if that's you today and you're like, you know, I need Jesus in my life. I want to accept him as Lord and Savior. I've been coming for a little while and I've, I've finally come to the understanding. Or maybe this is your first time here in this experience. And you're like, you're like, I want to know who this Jesus is. If he came to save the world and he came to give me life again. And if he can break these chains off, I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I don't know what I'm going to do when I walk out of here. I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven when I die from this earth and I breathe my last breath. With every eye closed, every head bowed in this room, if that's you, did you say, I don't know Jesus and I want to know him? Or maybe you've walked away and you're like, I need to come back to the father. Just like the son came back to the father and he embraced him with open arms. He ran, put a kiss on his cheek, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet and put the robe back on his shoulders. You can come back to the father and he will have compassion for you, the Bible says. So if that's you today with everybody having their eyes closed, every head bowed, 
I'm going to count to three. When I count down from three, I just want you to shoot your hand up. Say, that's me. I need Jesus. Ready? Three, two, one. Just lift them up. Lift them up. Lift them up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lift them up. Lift them high. I need Jesus in my life. I can't do this alone. I don't want to do this anymore my way. I want to try it God's way. Let me tell you, friend, he said he'll do exceedingly abundantly all that you could ask or imagine. Just a few more seconds. If that's you, just shoot your hand up. I need Jesus. I've walked away, and I need it. I need to return back to the Father. I need him in my life. I want to do it as see to it. As he said, I need him. I want him. I want him to wash away my sins. I want to experience his forgiveness and his free gift of salvation, something that I cannot earn. I didn't know that was possible. I want to walk in his grace and mercy. If that's you, seven more seconds, just lift your hand. Just lift it up. If you're online, just lift your hand right where you are, no matter where you're at, in the driveway, at your place of work, in your living room, in the car, sitting at a red light. Just lift your hand. I need Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you can put your hands down. I want us to pray this prayer together. Most important prayer. The Bible says in Romans 10 9 that if we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. Another scripture says that if we'll call upon the name of the Lord, it says you shall be saved. So we're going to do that right now. We're going to say this prayer together as one body. Those who've prayed it a hundred times and those that may be praying it for the very first time. Let's say this out loud where your ears can hear you. Say, Dear Jesus, come into my life. Today I accept you as Lord and leader, and I ask that you forgive me of all my sin. Wash me clean and help me to live a new life in you. Today I accept that God sent you as the Savior of the world, and you rose again for me so I could have life and life to the full. I receive you now. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone shout a big amen, amen, amen.